Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And today, friends, on a very special Friday episode, as you know, we'll be closing things out with the Lock It Up segment and it is a juicy one. Apt, perhaps, given my footwear. Stick around, you'll find out what we're talking about there. But we kick things off, obviously, with a sample size here. From the godfather of the network, David Locke himself on the Locked On NBA podcast, speaking with Ben Golliver, and and they get into this conversation around one, which gives us a kind of outside perspective on how other people that cover the NBA are looking at the Brooklyn Nets. How should we feel about their chances to win a championship? According to David Locke, it is a lock, no pun intended, but they also discuss the defensive rating whether or not a team with a 20 to 25th ranked defense is capable of winning the championship. We move through it and Doug has the numbers to tell you, maybe it's not going to matter and specifically around how good your offense can be and what it mitigates on the defensive end. There's a small sample size on the big three playing together and a virtuoso cast of the fourth and the fifth members of those units. Those numbers are also very comfortable as far as heading down the home stretch of this season. We even give a little bit of a tip of the cap, as does David Locke, around Joe Harris and his incredible value. Talked about it on last episode. We're going to bring it up again here with a little bit more support. And then, of course, the Lock It Up segment, we talk about the league overall and top-heavy talent over-under on the remaining games for the season, including sample size around the stars, and then that seductive topic that we all know, sweat. But first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every day. I'm Doug Norrie, owner-operator, DFSR.com. Got you covered. All your DFS needs, betting too, NBA, NHL, MLB. It's all covered over there on DFSR.com. Come say hi to us. And that is Adam Armbrecht. Well, kind of the OG, not OG, that means original. Just kind of the um, everyman for the New York sports fan right now. Not only the voice of the Brooklyn Nets over on Sportscaster, also host of the One Giant podcast covering the New York football giants. Buddy, how are we doing on a Friday? Listen, I put my clothes on like every man with one big zip because I wear onesies on a Friday. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing good, man. This is... Uh, This is what I want to have heading into the weekend, coming off the return of Kevin Durant, feeling good about it. And then also, though, I feel like this happens, and we kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday. As soon as we get somebody back, you start to then apply him to everything. You know, what does it mean for the team? What does it mean for the rest of the season? What does it mean for the playoffs? So we constantly get to keep revisiting these topics, but in totally new facets and new directions. Back when we started the podcast in 1982, that's how long we've been doing the podcast for. So this is what, like 38th year or something like that. Um, No, back when we started the podcast a few years ago, we dreamt of a moment. You know, it was before the Nets had kind of taken a turn. And I think when we were doing it, when we were, you know, kind of getting together and saying, it's not a Herculean effort to get a podcast going. It's a it's a little more to stick around than keep doing it on an everyday basis. But I think that we were sort of anticipating the the Nets being t- or hoping really the Nets being talked about in the way that we're about, I'm gonna, we're going to play you a clip here uh, in a second of the 
sheer difference that the Nets are being talked about now in terms of NBA circles <laughs> as opposed to what they were even two years ago you know when we did the podcast and if you're a Nets fan a life for Nets fan like like Adam is um you know basically almost forever since been, or, or it would feel like forever so uh, on the Lockdown NBA is obviously a massive network. Uh, the Godfather David Locke is uh, a host of the Jazz, um, Locked On Jazz, but he also hosted Locked On NBA, and he had Ben Golliver on from the Washington Post, SI Now. So it's just a big name in, in the basketball space, and they were just doing a general roundup of you know NBA sort of you know from a top level down, and, and kind of just talking about where the, the NBA, the current NBA landscape. Uh, your your Mr. Adam Armbrecht was on. Uh, did they? Played a clip from you talking about yeah. the Nets. Yeah, there you go, buddy. You're big, big the guy. The boss's boss's. Uh, your name was in the boss's mouth. It's a good place to be. That's big D power <laughs> swinging right now over here. Watch out. So, um, Adam did a clip for Locked On NBA, and then uh, David Locke and Ben Golliver jumped on to respond to it. I, we want to play you this clip because it's really. It's not instructive, but it's informative about how the Nets are being perceived throughout the entire NBA right now and why it's probably a place that um, most Nets fans really wouldn't be all that used to, just judging by the recent history. So going to play this clip. This is David Locke. This is Ben Golliver. They're talking on Locked On NBA, and we'll bring him in right after Adam has, uh, has gone through some of the win, the win from over the Pelicans and then like the return of Kevin Durant. Yep. Ben, you mentioned this game earlier. What's your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets and their feathering their way down the stretch? No, I mean, my takeaway was this team might win the NBA title. I mean, might. they look pretty good. Might. I mean, look. Here's it's the, over. Might. Here's, might. There's well, no chance okay. they lose. You're taking them all the way? Really? Oh, my gosh. It's a mathematical impossibility for them to lose if they're healthy. They have this four of like the top. Play. No, they have like four of the top ten offensive players in the whole league. They don't even need to play defense. They can win the title. No, I was actually going to do an exploration on that. I'd try to look at who were the worst defenses to win the title in, in the past and just kind of see if there's any uh, lessons to take for Brooklyn. Here's the thing. They didn't even play Harden, as he mentioned. They didn't play Durant for the first quarter and a half of the game because he's on a minutes restriction, right? So it's almost like they're just punting away at the start to just kind of feel out the, the Pelicans to see what they're about. They still almost scored 140 points, and they were up by so much, they didn't even have to play their guys during the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Blake Griffin made that comment, oh, everybody used to tell me that I sucked two months ago, and now everybody says it's unfair that we've come together. I think that's exactly right. Like, I mean, when you're the face of a team that's losing in Detroit and you're getting a max salary, people are going to be much harder on you than when you're coming off the bench on a team that's absolutely stacked. And the same thing goes for LaMarcus Aldridge. Like when he's trying to decide, are you the number one or number two option on a team that's got a whole bunch of young players that wants to change its style of play down in San Antonio and, and kind of run and gun a little bit more and, and shoot more threes, then yeah, you're kind of the odd man out. You don't really make a lot of sense at, on a big salary contract number. But when you show up in Brooklyn and now you're getting some starters minutes and now you put up 22 points and you know play some decent interior defense for the Nets and – uh, you know, go to that turnaround that's been money for his entire career as sort of like the fourth or fifth option in a really high-powered offense. It's like, come on, yeah, of course people are going to feel like it's unfair. So, uh, you know, to me, Joe Harris, again, uh, lots of quality minutes, just lots of back-breaking shots. Every three he hits just kills the defense because they feel like they worked hard, made the ball move, and then it's just, you know, absolute cash from him. They're loaded. Um, they do deserve to be considered the uh, – the favorites, and to me, the only hesitation why I said might off the top is because the three stars still haven't played that many games together, 
and Harden's out and now for a stretch, so they're still going to have to work that together before the playoffs. But I think that they're kind of their own biggest uh, their own biggest challenger at this point. I don't know who in the first round is going to give them any sort of an, uh, a push. I don't think anybody. And depending on how the second round series shakes out, if Philly and uh, Milwaukee have to face each other, that's going to be another light series for the Nets, and they're going to be nice and rested for the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think everything's coming up Brooklyn right now. I sense a lot of excitement in that uh, the Locked On Nets host voice, and I think it's warranted. Uh, I think the Joe Harris's of the world are still the most undervalued pieces. You know, Joe Harris, Joe Ingles, these guys who may only be taking six or seven shots a game but are hitting 50% of their threes, they're, they're just incredibly valuable. It's, and so when you add – Joe Harris is one of the 20 most impactful offensive players in the league. Like, I can give you the numbers to show it. Just believe me. And you suddenly add three of the greatest offensive players to that. Like, and then he gets to build off that. It's, it's truly insane. Okay, so for, for right off the top here, David Locke, in response to, to Ben Golliver saying, yeah, maybe they could win the title. You know, they might be able to. Might? Like, that's to your point about setting the table about how the NBA is thinking about the Brooklyn Nets and where, where the, the perspective is on this team right now. David Locke is a Utah Jazz guy, is a huge NBA guy, and it was almost sacrilege that Ben would suggest that this team isn't automatically locking it up. So, I mean, that that, that was my favorite piece. It's just the 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 incredulous response that Locke had to that. And and I listen. Do you do you think that you can buy into it? Because there's some there's some pieces to take away from it there. But that is the dynamic shift, and I think that that Locke represents the overall opinion of this team right now. Well, okay. So I think there's I mostly agree with him. I think that it's uh, it's interesting that his team he might be doing a little bit of an emotional life hedge because the Jazz are thirty eight and thirteen right now and being talked about as title contenders. So the one way you can sort of um, moderate your own emotional buy in is to just assume the other thing is going to happen, so you can then be pleasantly surprised if you were wrong. So I'm just I got, I got my eye on you, dime store psychology uh, when it comes to David Locke. No, I think that, <laughs> but I, I, so there, that could be a play. I read the Cliff Notes. I know how psychology works. <laughs> I think someone took a one class in college, so I think. I know what I'm talking about here. No, but the um, uh, I think I think that probably is a little bit at play. I, look, we did a call with David Locke, uh, just like we were just talking about the overall podcast, and he he led off with this exact same sentiment. So this is something he's been thinking about for a little while, right? Like he was he you know just on that call, which was not a podcast. He he prefaced it by saying the Nets are going to win it all. So it's clearly something that he's been uh, sticking with over the term. Uh, I think I generally agree with him and and in the sense that I'm only surprised by it because when you're in the thick of an NBA season with a team like we are with the Nets right now and we're talking about like why is Claxton playing 19 minutes instead of 22 things like this right when we're really diving into the minutiae I think sometimes it's easy to lose track of the general sense of of a team which the rest of the NBA even people that cover it full time, like David Locke does, that um, this is just the sentiment throughout the league, and we can kind of miss the forest for the trees because we're like, oh, is Lise Johnson? Should he be getting more minutes? You know, like things like this <laughs> that, that come up. Um, you know, like <laughs> no. And by the way, take it back to last year, probably right. I mean, just in the very recent history, how did how did you, how did I feel about the Lakers all last season? Right? It's not a matter of when, not a matter of if, but yeah. when they're going to go and win the championship. And you're probably right. That's how everyone from the outside is looking at it, and <laughs> it does give me a good chuckle. I think you just gave me a very a very interesting perspective from us, us being on the inside of it of of of. I can't imagine what David Locke would say or what, you know, a lot of NBA guys would say 
if you are a diehard Nets fan, if you're covering the team every day and you're breaking down the minute shares of some of these bench players that that, may, that aren't going to matter in the grand scheme of all of this necessarily. And yet we are we are in it. Right. And it matters to us. And it is important. It's all crucial. Right. Where they're like they did another four minutes about TLC shooting performance. Like, who cares? Right. right. <laughs> like, like legit. Who cares? But this is what happens when you cover a team every single day is that you these things do matter. Right. And all the little stuff matters and it builds up. And, you know, you do get senses of overall things. But. And, I, and by the way, we're going to respond to some other things that these guys said in this, like the defense. We're going to talk about Joe Harris. I think they they brought up a lot of interesting points that are high um, or bird's eye view sort of um, components. Uh, one, obviously, the defense is something that we need to talk about. But in general, it is good. It's a good checkup, checkup from the neck up to get to like look at what the rest of the NBA is looking at when they see this and say, "Oh, right." When these guys are all together, it's just kind of cheat code game over. Something maybe akin to what we saw with the Warriors even just a few seasons ago where there was a general sense around the NBA that was kind of like, hey, why even bother with the championship? Because it's just kind of over statistically. <laughs> and they weren't incorrect with that thinking. Uh, you know, LeBron, Only because LeBron James was at such a different level and only because Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson got hurt in that Kawhi year that we did not continue to talk about it that way. But it takes these other it takes sort of like either lightning in a bottle moments to have it not happen or just transcendent talents LeBron's still one of them so I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Nets are going to win but I can see why I can see why other people would begin looking at this team not even playing at full strength blowing the doors off a team like the Pelicans and being like oh right just a quick reminder these guys are by far the leaders in the clubhouse all right we want to talk about the uh I want to talk about some of the defensive stuff they mentioned here talk about Joe Harris as well first have to talk to you about Bill Bar Bilt Bar, the leader in the clubhouse for protein bars. Not even close. They would talk about Bilt Bar uh, as a protein bar the same way that you would talk about the Warriors as that championship-level team, or maybe the Nets this year. That is how good Bilt Bar is. Amazing flavors just came off Bilt Bar Madness, where they just stacked up all the flavors against each other to find the winner. Who won? It doesn't matter. You're just a winner if you get on to Bilt Bar right now. There's going to be a flavor that you like. Uh, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, lemon, almond, cheesecake, carrot cake. These are just some of the great flavors. Built Bar has the best protein bar on the market. Great for the keto diet, high fiber, high protein, low sugar, just 180 calories, five grams of net carbs. Right now, go over to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. And I got another flavor you're going to like. It's the taste of Peter Bukowski in your ears because he's the host of, of course, the Locked On Today podcast. I was just on with him last night talking about Kevin Durant, talking about the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, don't worry about me, friends. Pick that. I'll pick that little drop off the ground and put it back in my pocket. You get all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with Peter Bukowski. You can follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. I do a quick footnote to remind me in the third segment, or I'll try to remind myself about something there that we were talking about, the, the, the power structure of the NBA. Maybe we'll have time for it. But back to what we heard specifically from uh, Ben Golliver, he started to go into can a team with this type of defense, they're ranked 25th in the league right now from a defensive rating perspective, teams like that don't win championships. At least that's what, what history tells us. And yet 
when you look inside those numbers, we were I was curious about what is the impact of Kevin Durant on this defense, and then also the balance of the offense, right? Because it's it's not nothing's one sided, not a one sided coin here. On the one on the one side is defense and how good or bad they are, and the other side is how strong is the offense and how does that help mitigate the defense. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's cherry picking a little bit to say no defense that this poor has ever won the championship, and I it's it's cherry picking in the sense that like it's true, but it's also probably just trying to find something wrong with the team um, and make a case against it when all the other when many other numbers would point in the complete correct direction for like where the team stands right now in terms of like when they're coming at it full strength. So like as right. a comparison, I'll use it. I'll, I'll go back. I'll actually use the. So I'm going to bring up Durant here in a second, but I'll just use another comparison here because we were talking about the Warriors before. If you look back three years ago when the Warriors were sort of at the height of their powers, they were a top 10 defense in the league with a 112. So that was a uh, 104 defensive defensive efficiency with a 112 offensive efficiency. Now, not some of these numbers aren't going to translate one to one because offense has just gotten better in the NBA. Um, the you know more teams hitting threes, more players taking threes, more players getting better at them. That will all uh, point in that direction. So the the Warriors were a, very, a top ten defense, a number number one overall offense. The Nets right now are a bottom third defense. They actually moved up to twenty third after the game against the Pelicans. So Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, okay, so just just the correct, not twenty fifth anymore, twenty third. So um, that still still bad, <laughs> still still bad as like as you would. Um, as you compare them, their their offense is actually much better than the Warriors were that one year. So the Warriors had a 112 offensive rating. Uh, the Nets have a 116 offensive rating, and even that number is wrong because we've they've as Ben Golliver mentioned, these guys have not played all that many minutes together. When the guys play together, the numbers are just absolutely bonkers, video game style good. And so I think he's correct in saying. Well, he's correct in saying that no defense is bad, has ever won the championship. There's no, you can't um, argue with that. It's just true. It's, it's where the offense is so much better than everyone else that you can kind of actually tick their defense. The defense need not be as good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like at some point, right. there's just a breaking point where your defense doesn't need to be as good as some of those other ones if your offense is light years better than almost every offense that's ever played in the history of the NBA. And so that's where like that number starts to fall down a little bit for me. Yeah, well, and this is also, you know, these conversations, which, of course, this, this is what sports is. You're going to have these types of discussions around championship caliber teams and what it takes. But it is it is hard because of, you know, Kevin Durant missing 23 games, because you acquired Harden a, a handful of games into the season, because Kyrie has missed games. It's like, well, here's all the numbers and what it tells me. But none of the numbers can tell me what this team is going to be, or at least it's a small sample size of all of this team at full strength and full health. That's that's what you need to know. Give me an entire season telling me what all of these players on the court together and healthy look like and how do these numbers play themselves out. And even then, the defensive side is still going to be lower as opposed to higher. But as you said, if you're going NBA Jam style (laughs) offense, There has to be a threshold here where you could have the worst historical defense in the NBA history. And also, once you reach, you said 116, right? If maybe if you're around that 116 range, maybe there's no defense that could be so bad that you aren't still going to be the favorite to win in the end. 
Well, of course. And by the way, offense has the advantage. And look, you need to have a good defense because you have to get stops and you need to be able to slow the other team down. And, and I, I get all that part of it. Offense, of course, has the advantage in the NBA. It's why games don't end one nothing and they end one thirty to one ten. You know, like there's a that's because the offense has the advantage because you continue to score at a much faster clip than the other team is able to stop you. So offense will always have the advantage. It's just the meeting point of where like where the offense and defenses are comparatively that is the the thing because you can be a really good offense and be so bad at defense and still lose like sometimes your offense is going to look a little bit better than it is because you're just playing at a breakneck pace maybe or you know you're just um you, you just put all your chips into the offensive basket and you're willing to lose most games like 130 to 120 a la like the Washington Wizards and teams like this I will say in terms of when the sample size that we have for when these guys are on the court together Durant Kyrie and James Harden and then kind of pick your poison with whoever the fourth and fifth guys are it kind of doesn't matter but I'll start with Joe Harris because we mentioned him a second ago the the, that that group that four-man group has played 140 minutes together their offensive rating is 125 okay that's uh amazing like be the best in history by far now you're not going to be able to keep it up probably but it's so good (laughs) as to be (laughs) almost comical and actually the defense plugs back down to 107 which again am I cherry picking sure but 107 would land you somewhere in the top 10 of defensive efficiency on the season right and so um am I right about that no sorry it'd be top half be like 15th sorry about that so it's still it'd be it'd be an average it'd be the best offense of all time and an average defense is that good enough to win the championship I think most people would say obviously right (laughs) like because at that point if you're just average at one thing and historically great at the other then the historically great thing will win out. When you replace Joe Harris with Jeff Green, the number is exactly the same. And this is probably some of this is like that five-man death lineup that was playing together. Like That's where they're swapping in Green and Harris out in the four-man lineup. But that's also at 125. But even when you go to like Kevin Durant, and it's kind of just like Kevin Durant with anybody, (laughs) is the the offensive ratings are, are amazing. And the defensive ratings are average to just slightly below average. Sort of like no matter which way you slice it. And I would think at that point you would say the defense, the offense is going to be better. So, right, this is my overall point. The offense is going to be better when Kevin Durant's around, and the defense is also going to be better. And that meeting of it and, and that, like that math will end up winning. And so maybe we might end up seeing the quote-unquote worst defense to ever win the championship do it with the Nets because there's some chance they were also the greatest offense of all time. I was going to say, by the way, if, if they were to win the championship, the the you know the plaque underneath it in the in the uh, in the history books is not going to say worst defense to ever win NBA championship, right? That is like the yeah. that's the throwaway footnote around this thing, and it does speak back to what we had said coming off the the Pelicans game and the return of Kevin Durant. Again, we've said so much about the, the value of a Harden, of a Kyrie, of a KD, and the impact on the other players and the matchups that they get. That they get nothing is more critical than the impact on the defensive end and those matchups matchups than having Kevin Durant there. The position that he plays and the positions that he can play dramatically changes how everyone else gets to match up, the responsibilities that everyone else has, and just, again, the space that you have to cover, the way the switches work, the looks in and around the basket. So, listen, I feel like it's going to bear itself out over the remainder of the season, and I just... uh, These... These are fun conversations in a lot of ways, and also I wouldn't hate pushing the pause button on it, at least until we do get to see. And I just mean from an NBA perspective, you know, if we can 
uh, hold until we get the better, bigger sample size on everybody because there's no way to get a referendum on this as it stands right now. I do have to give them compliments, too, for throwing one Mr. Joe Harris in there. Um, I think that, well, I know Locke was probably comparing him to Ingles because like where they compare t- to each other is that they're sitting. He, he mentions the efficiency on the few and how little or how few shots they take per game. And mm-hmm. that's been a big Joe Ingles thing this year is it's been super, super efficient from when it, when the few shots come, they just end up going in. And that is also the same with Joe Harris here where because uh, when you look at the places where Joe Harris are among the leaders in, and that's true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage, which, by the way, is usually reserved for bigs, um, at least with the because they just they're all their shots are around the rim. And so we talked about this many times before, but when your shots are around the rim and there's very few of them, a la like DeAndre Jordan or whatever, you're going to have high field goal percentages and effective field goal percentage because you like they're all dunks, right? <laughs> so, right. Um, but right now Ingles is first in true shooting percentage. Joe Harris is fourth, and it's basically centers in the top ten, except for Kevin Durant, who's seventh. And I'm actually surprised because I didn't think he qualified by uh, just the amount of minutes. But it's like then Zion underneath, and we just got a taste of what Zion's like underneath the basket. Like this guy just kind of barrels his way. It's all bigs and true shooting percentage, and then effective field goal percentage is Ingles first, Harris second, and then Gobert, Rashawn Holmes, Jared Allen, Montrez Harrell. Like you see the difference in the list right here, right between how those guys are scoring. So nice little nod to Joe Harris. It's nice that other guys in NBA circles are realizing the crazy amazing impact he has even if it doesn't always translate because the shots don't come in high volume but it's clear that when we talk about how great the offense is he just has to be spoken about in that group 100 percent, yeah and deandre jordan by the way uh all-time nba leader 67 percent field goal percentage had a dream last night that deandre jordan started the game which means two things one it might happen they two, lost. um spending too much time <laughs> spending too much time thinking about the nets if i'm dreaming about them so uh, or not even dreaming about fun things like a championship dreaming about starting lineup announcements all right another thing you can dream on is signing up for bet right now you can go to bet online you go down to odds to win the 2021 nba championship and they are agreeing with David Locke and Ben Oliver. The Nets, plus 225. Lakers at plus 325 after them. And then there's a pretty significant drop-off after that. Just one of the many props that you can find over at betonline.ag. The absolute best place to get your bets in. NBA every single night. NHL on the ice. MLB seemingly every day and night with that sport. It's all there on betonline.ag. Real-time updated odds and props on anything you can imagine. Plus the news and scores that make it a one-stop sports and betting shop for you. Uh, head on over to betonline.ag. Sign up today. You can sign up for free, but if you decide to make a uh, deposit, you just use the promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. But you have to use the promo code Locked On for Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And you know you can get more of the analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft by listening to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. You got your scouting reports, your draft rumors, your mock drafts, and full coverage four days a week from all our credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. Quick footnote here for any of you fans out there wondering, fifth all-time in field goal percentage, Steven Adams. Go figure. So that number cannot be trusted in any type of real way. Uh, But the other thing is, as we know, on a Friday, heading into a weekend, the Lakers on Saturday night. That means one thing, though. It is time for... You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. You guessed it. 
Lock it up, friends. We are back for another edition. And actually, I'm going to throw a quick one in here because we had a couple of ones that we wanted to cover. Uh, But going back to the first segment, we just mentioned about from the outside looking in how we feel about the Nets. Obviously, we're hyped on, on what they're doing. We're breaking down every little bit of detail that we can find. But go back to other years. When you presume that Team X is automatically going to win the championship, lock it up that the NBA has some level of issue with the top heaviness of the league. You look at the Eastern Conference. What do we have? Three teams that are legit and everybody else is kind of a pile of mush. Do you do you buy into that sentiment or as we've seen the, the NBA has been a pretty successful league in recent memory? Is there not is this a non factor for you? Oh, with the, the lack of parity, you mean? Like among the yeah. teams that are at the top? Um, well, it's, I'm going to say no now because I like it that the Nets are really good. Uh, so <laughs> I don't want... I'm, right now, in this current year, I feel nothing about this. No reason to upset the apple cart when it comes to this year. But other years, maybe. And that would just depend if the Nets got worse. No, I don't... I think it kind of can't go any other way in terms of player movement and empowerment, if that's the word you want. A movement for sure. Um, empowerment, I mean, we can debate about whether that's you know these moves are empowering or not. But it would point to... At least the ability for players to sort of set their own um, path in terms of who they play with and where they go. I think when, mm. because that's the case, it really can't work out any other way. And so, and when you combine that with, there's really only maybe ten guys in the league who can be the best player on a championship team, and that's really just basically borne it out through all the years. And, and we almost got something along the lines of the Heat last year. Not you know pulling it off, and it also never really felt all that close, right? So, like I I don't I I just don't think it, it's it's always going to be like this. I think it's like there's it's not one of these sports where the variance is like football, where the variance is super high around injuries and shortened season and just like the way points are scored and, and like the variance you can you can just run bad for a season, right? Or run good and kind of land your way into the Super Bowl. Uh, the NBA doesn't work right. like that. There's just simply too many games. There's too many games. Um, it's you regress to the mean too easily on on the things that help you win games when everything is everyone's uh, healthy and whatnot. So I would say it's probably problematic if you're on the teams that are going to be bad for a long t- or mediocre for a long time. But I also don't know the way around it unless you draft superstars and develop them into a way that other players want to play with them. And so that's kind of on the teams too. So it's like Zion going to be good enough to be a championship level player and players going to want to play in uh, New Orleans with him we'll see right like clearly something sort of worked with Giannis with Drew Holiday signing you know what I mean so I it's like it's right. one of these things like I it's probably a little problematic and I just don't I don't think you want the other thing too I don't think you want everyone to be kind of equal <laughs> because that's just I don't think that's as much fun in the end and maybe that's just me saying it because the Nets are awesome this year well, you know what? We didn't go over in the show notes if this guy knows how to get some length out of a question. I will say the, the difference, too, is when you have a top-heavy team, when you have the favorites, then it, it, it's the villain, right? And the Nets, we, we don't look at them that way, but everyone else around the league now looks at, oh, you're bringing all the talent in, all the extra guys, how much talent do you need, blah, blah, blah. So that, that type of narrative is also really good for sports, no matter what league you're looking at. Uh, lock it up here as we wait for, the again, the Lakers coming up on Saturday night. 20 games remaining for the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not even going to, you know, put a number on it, but just lock up for me the record down the remainder of the season for the Brooklyn Nets. They're 36 and 16 right now. Is this a team that's destined to be over 50 wins before it's all said and done? Yeah, like I think 15 and five is pretty realistic over the stretch, depending on how crazy they get end the season with wanting to rest guys. Because again, the regular season at this point, and we talked about this a few 
days ago is a foregone conclusion. I it's they are going to not opt their, they're not going to fall out of the top 3 seed in the East. Uh, that's basically statistically impossible for them. So it's really only going to matter of how much they want to rest guys down the stretch. I will say if you look at their strength of schedule remaining, they have a top 10 most difficult schedule left to go here. So a little bit they of got this the Bucks is in there. Got Portland in there. I'm just looking at over Dallas, Denver. So there's some good Western Conference teams yeah, out there. Yeah, it's a little wonky because, for instance, they play the Lakers, and the Lakers, when you look at strength of schedule, are going to look like a really difficult team to play because their season-long record is really good. But then if you look at the iteration we're going to get here on Saturday, which is no LeBron and no AD then you can't really start trusting the number completely because you're like, yeah, the strength of the schedule looks like that game alone would move the Nets back probably into, you know, at least a few spots down. Right. So like right. it's each one of these needs to be on a case by case basis. But in general, their schedule is a little more difficult than the rest of the league going forward. And if they're going to get Kevin Durant back and play like they did against the Pelicans, like what's it going to matter? <laughs> because it's <laughs> right. play any of these teams. The point should be when you're one of these teams, your strength of schedule matters a little bit, but kind of not really because you're the best. Because when you're on the schedule for everyone else, their strength of schedule gets harder also, right? So it's, it's, it's one thing to look at strength of schedule as a like sort of just general idea about how hard things are going to be. And I would say I'm not worried about it. I think like 15 and 5 is a realistic number. With the idea that depending on seeding near the end, they might really kind of be going forward or they might totally be in the tank. So I'm not totally sure where they're going to be with those last maybe three or four games to go. Keep your eyes on it, friends. Doug Norrie, very convicted on his decision for that record uh, in those 20 games now as well. Uh, let's go with, let's say over under, boy, this is a tricky one. I'm going to go over under eight games for the big three together over the last 20 of the season. So 10 day. 10-day reeval timeline with Harden probably puts them, yeah, ooh, eight games, you said? Uh, that's pro- I'm going to say under the eight games. and I think yeah, he may be back around the 16th or so, like maybe. If, if it all goes well, that'd be like the Charlotte, maybe 18th at Miami, but that's going to be another five games away, so eight out of the last 15 games, really. Yeah, and just a reminder about this, because I, I, I think I was going to do some hand-wringing about these guys not having played together. It's just important to remember that these guys are, one, they're so talented. Their, their games aren't predicated on making sure certain things work really, really well in an offense, right? Like, so it's one thing. Let me try to think of an example. So, like, one thing for – it's pretty important for a guy like LeBron and Anthony Davis to get a lot of reps together because the way they're going to play in sort of two-man game stuff is going to be pretty important to have a lot of timing and other things around them, right? Um uh, I'm trying to think of other examples, but that, that's the one that kind of jumps out to me in terms of like a, a superstar with AD. Maybe like stuff with Giannis too would be an example of this, where it's it's gonna make well, it's it, gonna make sense to have a lot of reps around that superstar and where you put around them because there's kind of a lot of little things that need to go right for it to work. Uh, this is not an example of that. These guys are so great in just by themselves in an ISO that putting them together is just sort of cherry on top. So I would also say that not all groups need to play the same amount of minutes together to have it be the best version of itself. And we just happen to have three guys that are so great on offense and great by themselves and great about getting other people involved that that timeline doesn't need to be anywhere close to some of these other superstar pairings. So that's where I worry about it less too. And if any, and if anything, the more important piece is that all the role players understand where to be their consistency is what's most crucial know where you need to be to benefit from Harden, from kd from Kyrie. right exactly Those guys are gonna do what they're gonna do and that's be ready for the easy. backdoor cuts right be ready for exactly. the lands yeah and, the, and most of yeah. that's pretty elementary basketball frankly it's it's the you know back cut stand stand in the corner open for threes come off pin towns and make sure you're open is the stuff that 
that's the easy stuff, basically. It's the other TLC, I hope you're listening to the episode. I feel <laughs> like this is maybe just a 30-second clip. Might have some value for you. We're not trying to beat you up over it. Real, real, real quick out the door on the lock it up with the with the Lakers uh, on Saturday night. We we know what that roster is or is not right now. Uh, plus twelve. Would you take a Nets victory by twelve points or more on Saturday night? Lock it up. Yeah, I lock that up. I think they're still kind of feeling okay, themselves. I, I mean, that Lakers yeah. team is that's Lakers team's bad. I, this is what happens when you Kuzma lose. doesn't scare you. Oh doesn't no, really. no, no. I mean, I know they won the other night, but this this team is is pretty is pretty bad without a. <laughs> they're four and six. Over the last ten, and, and well, I don't know. This they're really not fun to watch too. I, that's I've watched a couple of these games. Oh, it's not it's not a great form of basketball. I got I got actually have a lock it up lock it up for you real quick for you. Okay. Lock it up. How many more nights you are able to try the slippers that you bought that you were complaining about before the show? Um, do you? Here's the, <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, friends. Um, the over under, and I'm wearing them right now, which is obviously a mistake. I bought I bought a pair of sli- a little bit of background here. I bought a pair of slippers specifically because on the tag it said breathable no sweat slippers. They're they're basically old man slippers. I'm not nearly at the age where I should be wearing these things, but I'm diving into them anyway. I put them on to give them a little test run. Within the first 30 seconds, my feet were soaked through these things. I'm walking around in basically water logs. Uh over under buddy? Uh, where, where do you want to set the line at? Um, I mean, well, the, I don't. I'm not sure we can realistically set it now if you're wearing them now. So now I got now. I don't think they're going back. I think that they had a chance to go back. They were going to get like two more nights. I was going to say two more nights trying them out and then sending them back. But now that you're wearing them now, I think that it's throwing me off now because the line is all thrown off. You didn't tell me you were wearing them when you were complaining about it before. It's, a weird, it's actually kind of like now just a weird complaint because you were complaining about them and then you're also wearing them at the same time. So now I'm also, by the way, just to be clear, my feet are drenched right now also pretty comfortable yeah. so take the take the over friends if you're if you're betting it take the over because adam is nothing if not stick to it well that's like one of those things where it's like the, you read the deodorant and it says stops you know stop sweating you're like yeah for the regular person <laughs> like they didn't <laughs> right. yeah yeah i don't think they're like talking yeah. about what about me like i'm gonna send them a picture of me and you tell you tell me if it's gonna stop sweat for me because i sweat a lot more than the regular person i know like <laughs> you use the large sample size of sweaters and I get the why you would think it stops sweating, but I don't know if you tested me before. Maybe that's the same situation with your feet. All right. <laughs> On that note. That's how you do a Friday show. <laughs> <laughs> that is how you do a professional Nets podcast. We are going to get out of here. Uh, Locked on Nets, obviously. Go rate and review it wherever you listen to podcasts. Much appreciated for the numbers that we've seen only climb over these last few weeks. Another great week of downloads. Always great to check that out. Know that the more and more listeners are coming on board to hear tales about people's slippers. So go rate and review wherever you listen. Like I said before, if you want to give a follow on Twitter, go for it. Locked on Nets uh, is the Twitter handle, but we're over 1,000 Twitter followers, so I'm not going to really start sweating that number until we get to close to 2,000, and then I'll become an absolute crazy person like I was about the first 1,000. So um, just I got a 1,000 Twitter, follow Twitter <laughs> follower buffer until I get uh, nuts about it, but if you want to give a follow, Locked on Nets is the handle. Margaret, you like sweat, don't you? Margaret? Is it Margaret or Margaret? Of, of course it is. You know, your eyebrow drives me crazy. It's so thick. It's so dark. It's very connected. You're a stone-cold fox, Margaret. You're a stone-cold fox, and I want you. I gotta have you. I need you. I want you right now. But you know what? You don't want me, do you, Margaret? Dennis Reynolds. I was gonna say, I thought we were getting an Always Sunny thing in there, and we did. I ramped it up there. One yeah. of the all-time great poets, one of the triumvirate of great poets on that show. We will be back again on Monday talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>